0: You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, episode number 272. The theme, what's behind the emotion, the meaning, all that comes later. Stanley Kubrick. Broadcasting from a dark, windowless room in Hollywood, when we really should be working on that next draft. It's the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, showing you the craft and business of screenwriting while teaching you how to make your screenplay bulletproof. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Now, today's show is sponsored by Bulletproof Script Coverage. Now, unlike other script coverage services, Scott Free, Warner Brothers, The Blacklist, and many, many more. So, if you need your screenplay or TV script covered by professional readers, head on over to CoverMyScreenplay.com. Have you ever wanted to learn from a Hollywood blockbuster screenwriter or even an Oscar winner? Well, I wanted to put together a free three-day screenwriting video series taught by legendary screenwriters David Goyer from who wrote The Dark Knight, Nia Valjuras who wrote. The Big Fat Greek Wedding, Oscar-winning Callie Corey, who wrote Thelma Louise, and Oscar-winner Paul Haggis, who wrote Casino Royale. If you want access to this free class, head over to bulletproofscreenwriting.tv forward slash free. Well, guys, today on the show, we have writer, director, and actress Carlson Young. Now, Carlson is a director of the new film, The Blazing World, that premiered at Sundance 2021. And I wanted to have her on the show to kind of go down the rabbit hole, literally, because <laughs> her movie has a bit of that in it, to go down the rabbit hole about what it's like to direct her first feature, uh, getting that great cast, how it got all put together, and and uh, after talking to her, the struggle is real. I mean, and no matter where you are and who you are, all filmmakers have the same challenges in one degree or another, so it is a fascinating conversation, so without any further ado, Please enjoy my conversation with Carlson Young. I'd like to welcome to the show Carlson Young. How are you doing, Carlson?
1: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Like I was, we were talking about earlier uh, before we came on the first time. I remember seeing you is in that amazing Key and Peele uh, short. <laughs> Jack, Jack, Jack. I want to say your real name, Jacqueline, but it's Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Excited. Jake Quellen. Jake Quellen. Jake Quellen which was been, it was downloaded like 50 million times. And uh, I mean, as an actress, you want to be seen 50 million times, especially when you're a young actress.
1: Suppose suppose that's true. Yes.
0: <laughs> did you get do you get did you get a call out? Like a lot of people were like, Oh Jay Quellen.
1: I, <laughs> I really did. I remember like being at a um at a stop sign like in Franklin Hill, oh, Franklin Village in LA, Beachwood Canyon, and somebody like screeched the brakes and rolled down the window and was like, Jay Quellen and <laughs> I thought myself, if nothing else in my life, I am Jay Quellen. So <laughs>
0: Well, uh, you've done other things as well. You've done definitely done other things as well. So how did you how did you get into the business?
1: Um uh, I I had really always wanted to um pursue acting and, and be an actor and director and writer uh my whole childhood but my parents didn't really know how to facilitate that for me which is all well and good because I really am a firm believer that that should be your own accord, not a parent's. And um, I found myself an agent, when I was like, 14 or 15 did some commercial work, did a Disney short show my junior and senior year of high school that actually shot in Austin, and mm-hmm. then moved to LA and um, ended up going to USC for English creative writing and doing acting work uh, throughout, you know, my early 20s. And then um, yeah, this the blazing world is my first this is the thing that I want to do.
0: Yeah, and it and it's uh, it was I, I had it, I had a pleasure of seeing it, and it is a definitely a trippy film without question. It's like you definitely go down the rabbit hole uh, and then some in that film. But before we get to the feature, it started off with a short, right?
1: That's right. Um, it was a short. I it was inspired by. Uh, recurring dreams that I was having as I was working on another show, um, in Louisiana and I, yeah, I just, the short is very much a vignette and a sketch uh, of the character's life and, um, just my visual sort of sensibilities as a filmmaker. And I knew that I had to sort of make this seed in order to sell people on me being able to direct the feature.
0: Yeah. So that was my, that was my next question. How did you get people to give you money? <laughs> How did you get the financing for this? How did you bring this all together? I mean, because it's tough. It's just tough, period. Oh God.
1: It's, it's insane. Exciting. It's it's so hard. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, we attached our first actor m- the beginning of March 2020. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we were so excited, felt like it was really happening. And then, you know, the pandemic and the world shuts down. So we're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> And so I, uh, you know, my producer and I just were like, well, I mean, if I rewrote the script in a couple of parts, then maybe we could take this out of public places and have a really contained quarantine environment. Um, so that took a couple months of reworking and truly engineering the entire project around COVID and, and the restrictions there. And we shot in August 2020, and I swear to God, by the skin of our teeth, <laughs> it was really Hard, but uh, yeah, it's not it's
0: so not you easy. fin. So you finished August of 2020,
1: and, and- had our submitted to Sundance October 7th.
0: Oh my god, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs>
1: Are you so tired
0: thinking about? I'm I'm exhausted, and it wasn't even my film. Uh, I'm exhausted thinking about that process because, first of all, shooting in August of 2020, I don't remember. I mean, you think was there a lull in COVID at that point? Did no? It was. It was. Was it? it, There was a lull, right?
1: It was. There was a lull. It was like the worst was very much yet to come, Um, (laughs) and it was. It was still, you know, like okay. There's like. 300 cases in Texas, you know, (laughs) it wasn't anything like the winter, you know, winter was coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So you, so you, so you, so let me, but again, I wanted to just ask, like, did you approach investors? How did you get, how did you like, did you show the short and go, here's the short, here's the, here's the feature script. I want to direct. I've never directed, but here's my short. And they said, okay, (laughs) obviously.
1: I mean, it's always the like, Catch 22 like the first time director's nightmare of like mm-hmm. I'm a first time director please and then and and um but you know the the short was really good proof of concept it had been embraced by a good festival um we had an amazing co-writer we had a great team around the project and um we were like this is very much what something that could be a festival you know movie if you want to get on board with sort of the the bigger vision of me as a director and, and this whole team, then that's kind of how we did it, Private Equity in Austin. That's,
0: that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Now, how did you get your cast? Like you're, you have a pretty remarkable cast.
1: It's a great cast. I wrote, I wrote the uh, uh, Lane Ed role for Udo, Kier, um, uh, who had always been like key He'd always been like a legend. I mean, he is a legend, but he'd always been like a personal, like, I love this man. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I can't describe it. Um, He feels like my father on like a spiritual level. Doesn't make a ton of sense, but I just love him. And so I wrote the character for him. So when we got him the script um, and he wanted to do it, it was just like, okay, wow, we're after the races. And then. Dermot, Vanessa, Soko, John Carno, we had a great cast.
0: Yeah, it, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty remarkable cast, to say the least. Now, as, as so you're shooting during COVID, uh, which is, doing, shooting your first movie in general is a rough scenario, let oh, alone yeah. with the COVID pressures on top of you, which you could, like, am I going to get shut down tomorrow? Am I not going to get yeah, shut down I tomorrow? Think,
1: like, the mortal concern of every person who has (laughs) been generous enough to give us their time and their best work in this incredibly crazy time.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: Just was like, I felt that weight every day um, on top of the normal stress of an 18 day shoot. Like, it was hard. Um. So I I tell I tell everyone I'm like if the second one is just three percent less mortal stress then
0: that will be really, really dope. <laughs> that would be that would be amazing. Now as as directors you know there's always that one day on set where the world is coming down around you. You you literally just say this is gonna I'm I'm crashing and burning I'm drowning the whole world is this this is this is a disaster. I can't believe I'm here. Who gave me the who gave me the keys to this car? Uh, What day was that for you? And how did you overcome it?
1: Um, you know, as stressful as the outside environment was just because of the COVID of it all. the set and the shoot was really Zen. Mm -hmm. Like, it. like we had so much to do and such an enormous scope of a story to tell that there just really wasn't any room for stress um it it was like this weird compartmentalized because i was also acting so i mean there just like wasn't room to like short circuit like there just there was no no capacity for it (laughs) right so um you know, I, it was really hard. I mean, like, for just personal things were happening for me. Like, it was very much like art imitating, life imitating, art imitating life. There was things when my sister got married, I wasn't able to be there. There was all sorts of things going on. We were in a proper quarantine camp. So it was um, a surprisingly zen shoot itself. But the whole world was trying to, like, get in my head. And I um, had
0: to keep it out. So, okay. So then uh, it's tough enough to direct. It's tough enough to direct during a COVID pandemic, but then you also acted in it. How do you balance? Like, I've never, I've acted once or twice in something I've shot and I was, oh God, it was horrible (laughs) because I'm not an actor, but, uh, but how was it, but how, how did you balance that? Especially in your first time out as a director?
1: Well, I had had a little taste of it from the short um, and just just from the the short, I knew that I could do it. I knew that it was something that I had bandwidth to do. Um, and I, you know, I was fortunate enough to have an incredible assistant who was really keeping me honest uh, as to the character and, and where we were. I sort of had like this big energy map that I was mapping everything off of. Um, in terms of moments and story and tone. And I, I just, again, I just didn't question it. I just didn't, I just didn't give myself any room to, to question it. I, I have experience as an actor and I just, I'm not, you know, I'm not camera shy at all. So it's just <laughs> like, I, you know, it's a great thing being a director and an actor because I know exactly what I'm looking for. And then I can give that to myself. Which is kind of a rewarding
0: thing. Now you mentioned energy mapping. Can you kind of dig into that? I've never actually heard that term before. So, what is an energy map in your world, and what, how did you use it?
1: Um, I think, well, whenever I watch a film, like the most, uh, the thing that really um, pops out and resonates with me the most is the tone, and that's in my in my mind, tone is kind of um, synonymous with energy because it's. It's like the air that the characters are breathing and that the score is on and it's like, you know, dropping a needle on a record. It's like a very particular uh, vibration, which all sounds a bit like abstract. But um, mm-hmm. in, in this story in particular, she goes under the water, she's in the bathtub. So when, when she goes under the water, I I I sort of tonally did the rest of the story, like she's losing oxygen in her brain. And so there's different mom there's different like grace periods that her brain is going for. And then it drops. And then yeah, so like the tone becomes more frenetic and more um sort of manic as it as it
0: goes. And you were using that as a kind of guide, guide posts in the, in the sand, if you will, as you're going through this process, because you're without, so you're basically lost at sea almost.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're lost, lost at sea. And then, you know, I mean, you can give it, you can get an amazing performance out of an actor or where I I could give a, a, a good performance or something, but it might not be right in terms of where we are in the story and the energy. So, um, it's really easy to watch something and be really blown away by it and but it might not be able to fit into this thing so
0: yeah and and how do you how do you judge your own performance i mean that must be brutal (laughs) like did i get it did i not get what i wanted as a director it's
1: i mean i don't know i i'm i'm excited to like for the next couple like not not act in it Mm -hmm. and i think that that will be a really nice distance but for this one, I mean, my my editor and like everyone on the team would, would always kind of chuckle because I would never refer to myself as the character. It would be, it, you know, it was her, Margaret, Margaret, what is she doing? What is she doing? It was never me looking at myself. Like I'm looking at the character and um, like our editor thought that that was kind of jarring at first because he'd be like, <laughs> we're looking at like you on the screen, but you're like referring to this like other person and. Um, so that's how I can gauge their performance. I'm not looking at myself. I'm looking at some an actor performing a thing.
0: It's a way for you to disconnect.
1: Yeah, totally disassociate. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah it's a completely just disconnect from what's going on. And because yeah. as an editor, you're looking at things like even again the small times that I've directed myself in a scene. I just was like, "Who's that guy?" Oh God, Jesus! Oh, he's horrible! Oh, this is that. I like, I become my director hat comes on, and I'm like I start beating up myself as the actor. It must be tough, but but you yeah. not not so much with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I sort of like have a level of like respect for myself as an actor, and so uh, and and all of the other actors, which is bizarre because usually I'm like a total masochist who has like no respect for myself. So. <laughs> So that's like an interesting grace that I have apparently for myself. Um I don't know.
0: <laughs> so as an actress, you know, you've you've worked with a lot of directors in your career. How do you like to be directed? I always loved asking actors that like cuz every actor is a little bit different in regards to how they like to be directed.
1: I love to know I love to have if if it's possible to have the opportunity to get inside the director's previous work and to also get inside their head as to what they're thinking for this particular project not not always you have i mean you don't always have that luxury as an actor sometimes you just show up and you're just saying the lines and going home you know which is so much of the case of tv which is what i definitely have done the most of um but film is this thing where you you get to have a language with the creative team and and get to hear everybody's perspective on the character and then give your interpretation of it and that, that's what i really like about
0: acting now what do you look for in a director as far as someone who's going to direct you what are the qualities what are the techniques that you're looking for cuz i mean we've all heard the stories of the crazy Director on set who's abusive or yelling, and you didn't get the, you know, there's just so many different, you know, images of directors over the years from the monocle to the blowhorn back in the silent days to, yeah. someone, to, to someone like Clint Eastwood who just goes, That was good, let's move on. And <laughs> that was, and he like, says four words to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I haven't had, you know, I haven't had the luxury of working with. I worked with a lot of directors, but I've never worked with like a real auteur before. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one, the the thing that I've noticed about directors I really like working with is they're calm and decisive, and they have good taste, and they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think as a director, the most important thing is making choices and making choices and knowing the. Knowing how to steer the ship and then everybody else trusting you in that. So the worst thing is like if a director like doesn't know, you know?
0: (laughs) Like that I don't know. Maybe what do you think? Like there is the what do you think? Because it's a collaboration, but when you feel like they don't know where the ship is going, the whole thing's gonna crash.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's a little concerning.
0: (laughs) We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So, so and I've always told this to, to young directors, you know, w- when you're working with actors, actors want to feel secure. They want to feel safe. And they want to mm-hmm. be able to have a safe space to perform and to be, I mean, what actors do, what you guys do is remarkable because you're exposed exposed emotionally you're we're asking you to go you know that really difficult horrible thing i'm never going to experience i want you to do that for me for my pleasure please and action like it's (laughs) it's tough it's an insanity really
1: (laughs) it is it's a form of insanity no doubt no doubt about it (laughs) (laughs) so i mean mean, you get it you get every now and then you get an actor who and and with Blazing World, this was very much the case where they have a personal um investment in the character and the project succeeding. Everybody was so generous with their time and their energy for these characters. Like everybody had an entry point into the material from a really beautiful, profound place. Mm-hmm. Um and so it was just a luxury to sit back as the director and, and watch them work. Um, and I just, I, the on-ramp was respect. They respected the story. And so I was able to create a safe space for them as actors.
0: And is that how you approach pulling performances out of your actors or coaching, like not coaching, but guiding them to the performance that you're looking for? How do you approach it uh, as a director?
1: Well, you know, for this one, we didn't we didn't have rehearsal time or <laughs> or anything like this. <laughs> so for me, it was setting the stage of, I, number one, thank you so much for being here. I deeply uh, am a big fan of your work and I respect you so much as an actor. Um, here's what I'm thinking. And here's how, here's here's all of the backstory and the good nitty gritty details that I can give you as a director as for, for what I'm thinking. And then those tools are yours to use at your leisure, you know, mm-hmm. um, here's your tool belt and feel free to put it on for this scene and like, let's see what happens. And um, yeah. And so I it was it was beautiful. I, I loved working with this with this uh,
0: team. Yeah, the, I mean, the team and the cast, I mean, the cast must have been wonderful. And you had, I mean, how did you deal with all the, I mean, you have a fairly good amount of visual effects in this film. Uh, and for someone who's never directed a, f- a feature film, let alone dealing with visual effects, because I've, I've been a VFX supervisor, I understand the complexity of that. How did you deal with that?
1: It was, it was a challenge. I mean, there was, you know, there was a time where I wanted to do like all of that, practically everything. Was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh yeah right um but uh you know we had a limited limited crew uh, size um because of the pandemic and uh not very many days at all so we couldn't do any of those things so the best we could hope for was a locked shot and then a vfx supervisor on set <laughs> that just really must have-
0: not so much with yes. the move so not so much with the moving shots on the vfx shots is the- is-, is what you're saying
1: oh god would i'd get in trouble if it was
0: there was someone yelling at you on set
1: (laughs) really expensive moving ones yes
0: (laughs) yeah i was like oh you want us to track that that's going to cost another 50 grand
1: (laughs) i just i have learned so much i cannot even tell you
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no i I could have look first when i when i first started directing lock off shots best vfx shots lock off shots don't Don't move the camera.
1: Lock that shot.
0: Lock it. <laughs> Don't move the frame. And then then you as you get as you develop a little bit more, then you feel like, Oh, I can move the camera and okay, I gotta get the tracking shots in and I gotta do this, this and this and and technology's come a long way and all this kind of stuff. But uh oh God, <laughs> you could get into some deep trouble very quickly.
1: Oh, and, and talk about zero time to do it. I think I think our last VFX shot was delivered January twentieth. And our premiere was Jan- January 29th, and Sundance just, like, screaming at us, like, you have to get this in. And we're like, please, there's one more shot. And then, and then the the cut that actually premiered, like, on the digital platform at Sundance wasn't even the final VFX shots. Of course. So I remember, I remember people being like, oh, it's the worst or something. And i mean like, it's not our final. Shut the fuck up. <laughs>
0: it's so easy it's so easy to to criticize the gladiator in the arena but they don't get in sometimes
1: tell me about it it.
0: (laughs) it's so easy to sit down sit in the in the in the audience and just go look at that gladiator look what they're doing i could do it better
1: i know
0: i know so so all right so then you you submit the sundance which is obviously the dream of every independent filmmaker to get into sundance especially your first first feature so you know it's a shot in the dark you you know you roll the dice and you get and you throw it in there and you see what happens and you know the odds are obscene to get into i mean whether i think last year was like thirty thousand submissions or something like that and there's like 110 yeah accepted or something so what was it like when you got the call
1: oh it was so cathartic it was so beautiful (laughs) i just (laughs) remember like dropping to my knees like like (laughs) i'm so tired (laughs) i'm so tired i just want to go to sleep i think i like fell asleep (laughs) just like good night thank you um (laughs) but uh it was it was just so rewarding because i mean the like this is truly what happened we finished the final score like that literally this is like the last note the thing was mixed and my husband shut his laptop okay like we're done oh you want to like go get some dinner or something to celebrate and then literally my cell phone rang and i was just like it was it was too good to be true. It it, it sounds fake, but that is one hundred percent what happened.
0: That's that's insane. But I ha- I have to ask you because I I love asking artists this. Why, why why do this? This is insanity. It is the most difficult things we could do. It tortures us. It beats us up. Uh, we get disappointed. But you know, it's so. I mean, exhausting is the word I like to use. Exhausting, brutal, and yet it's like we keep coming back for more. <laughs> what is it about what we do that is this kind of, I call it a kind of a, a, a beautiful disease because once you get bitten by the bug, you're done for life. Yeah. You can't, yes. can't go back it's ever.
1: It's true. I think it's, I think that it's, um, the storytelling component of, what we do and, and the heart, the heart of truly profound and moving stories. No matter like what your taste is, no matter if you like horror, thriller, quiet indies, like Marvel movies, whatever it is, whatever stories speak to you. It's incredible the amount of like just darkness that you can sort of power through and put up with if that's what you're in service of. So like I think like people really suffer in this industry because you know what it's like to have that moment of like oh like we just did something really cool in this like nanosecond of geological time that we live in. Um you know there's something like everybody who who is in love with film or great television even knows what it's like to be truly moved into empathy and compassion by characters and an amazing story. And that's just, that's just something that, uh, that's a depth that requires a lot of sacrifice. And I don't know. I mean, it's gotta be why we fucking do it. Like, I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's, and and as a direct, I mean, at least you're an actor, so you get to, to, work all the time as an actor you can you can do shows you can do movies you can do and you get to perform your art but as a director y- you're lucky once a year if, if that's like best case scenario as it's best case that's like once maybe every two or three years it takes you years to get a project off the ground if you're writing it getting it off the ground packaging it and then you get to shoot for 18 days
1: <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah
0: oh, and that's the other and that's, the only, and that's the only time you get to actually be what you want to be. And then there's obviously the pre-production part of it and the post-production part of it. But generally, we don't get to direct as much as we want to.
1: Yeah. Well, so something interesting that I think I found throughout the Blazing World process, because it was a long one, it was a long process. 2017 was the short. Oh, jeez. 2020 was the feature. Um, but... What was so interesting was that the, you know, challenges and the slow sort of growth process of every, you know, making a film.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: Like checking all of the boxes and each time you check a box, it's it's extremely slow. It's painfully slow. And you have to climb the stairs extremely meticulously and so patiently. And one thing goes right, two things, goes, two things go wrong every time. <laughs> and, and so interestingly enough, in that incredibly uh, challenging process that required a lot of resilience, I learned something about myself and the character and all of these characters and the whole story that I was trying to tell. And that and that just feels like I'm like, I look back and I'm like, I don't even think I don't think I would do a single thing differently because of that, because that was just so beautiful. And I think that's something probably a lot of people could, you know, I I certainly could have benefited from hearing that. I know that people do say that and it's easier, easier to hear than to put it into practice. But it's pretty cool, like looking back on all of the. Just gut wrenching nose and the things that didn't go right, and, and being able to see how they were so very in service to a lesson that was being learned or something.
0: How, di- how did you deal with the nose? Uh, because you must have gotten a ton of them prior to actually getting on the set.
1: <laughs> so many. so many (laughs) but I was used to it as an actor like all I hear is like literally all day every day no 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 it's like 500 no's and one yes like that's my life so Mm -hmm. I was like pretty I was pretty used to it although this was a different thing like this was like my heart and soul um now I'm not just playing somebody else's character like this is a Totally different things. So, admittedly, the nose hurt a lot worse than an acting no. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that that, like, just <laughs> habitual rejection as an actor <laughs> was a nice little, was not was a nice prep <laughs> for the whole process.
0: Yeah, I can't even understand how you guys do what you do. I mean, every time I do a casting, I'm always very gentle with the actors, and I was like, uh, I try to be as nice and pleasant as possible. But as you're right, you get forty nos. A day, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, absolutely. It's in, it's insane. It's what, what, it what made this story like? I'm, obviously, this is a personal story to you. is coming off of your dreams. You were saying, what made you say? Because we all have dreams, uh, and we many of us have recurring dreams. What made you say, I got to get this out into the world. I need to let this 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 thing loose.
1: Um, group therapy, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) group therapy. Um, I mean, I knew that, you know, I, I, the blazing world title comes from a 17th century writer, Margaret Cavendish. Um, and she was so bold in 1666 to write a complete like fantastical component to her husband's scientific journal where she was dreaming up this sun world and all of these magical creatures. And um, I love fantasy uh, and just fantasy mythology so much. It's how I make sense of the world. And it's the stories that I personally really love. And so I always knew that I wanted to make films that were magical and had um, a fantasy component to them. Um, and I love horror. So some of that sprinkled in there, too. And, but, th- but this story was the more that I chipped away at how to claim p- power as a female in the way that Margaret Cavendish did in 1666 with her Blazing World. Mm-hmm. I realized that in order to step into this like empress, this queen, this female empowerment, that you have to clear out so much trauma. And the black hole started becoming for me this like dissociative gap in my psyche of things from my childhood that I hadn't processed yet that were, that was just literal grief, just like sitting in my soul Mm. and through group therapy and, and really amazing friendships and connection with people who were also being honest about their vulnerability, I realized that this was actually an incredibly universal story and that when people put it all out there and, Like that is an opportunity for for healing for other people, too. So it was connecting my story to the story, the big story, and then realizing, oh, like this could be a fantastical fucking (laughs) ride where we could actually get somewhere. And, you know, at the end, you know, it's a story about reframing trauma. She makes a tiny little decision differently. She's kind to her parents. She includes them and reframes this memory of trauma And I think that's it. And that's a beautiful thing to witness. And I've witnessed it with other people. And I just was like, that was when I found the confidence to tell the story.
0: That's awesome. That's very awesome. Now, when you were, you got the call for Sundance. Have you been to Sundance before? Have you even been to Park City before that?
1: I did. I I went in 2018 for the short. And uh, that was really, you know, rad because I got to be there in person. So it was so cool, like to be at Sundance, like as a filmmaker, even if it was a short. That was the coolest thing of my life. So I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be there in 2020 in person. Maybe the next one.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Because it was. 20, yeah. Of course, it was 2020, so you can go to it in person. But but with the short, at least you got to go and be a filmmaker and and uh, and enjoy that process because it is. It, it it's an interesting. I've been there. I've been there as of, uh, as just someone who's been there, and I've had films there as well uh, that I've worked on. And it's just a completely different experience yeah. when you're seeing when you're screening something that's that you've been or you worked on.
1: I I I like have a smile thinking about how great that would have been. But yeah, we were just on on the couch and thanking our lucky stars.
0: Yes, exactly. Now, uh, where can people see the film?
1: It's uh, limited theatrical, so anywhere you can find a theater, go check it out because it's very, very much meant to be seen in a theater. I saw it for the first time in a theater last week and I was just like, Mm -hmm. I wish, I wish that people could see it like this. But um, alas, it is uh, VOD and streaming on Amazon and Apple and yeah, go, go rent it or buy it. That would be extremely helpful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Uh now I'm gonna ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. Uh, what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film industry or in life?
1: Oof, that no is not a statement about my worth as a human being.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer. Absolutely. And that definitely makes sense coming from an actor.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs>
0: Three of your favorite films of all time:
1: *Possession*, um, *Solaris*, and *Scenes from a Marriage*.
0: Very good. And uh, what was the biggest fear you had to overcome when putting this entire project together, putting the script, writing the script, attaching yourself as a director? All that. What was the biggest fear you had to overcome, and how did you do it?
1: um the biggest fear that i had to overcome (laughs) was that i am invalid as an artist and that nobody will care what i have to say
0: yeah (laughs) and you had to break through that
1: had to break through that yeah
0: and last question um what was what what did you learn from your biggest failure either professionally or in life somewhere that it was a big failure? What what was the biggest lesson you learned from that failure?
1: Mm, That failure is, is an opportunity for growth. In fact, we pretty much only grow in, in discomfort and uncertainty. So as challenging as those times are, they're sacred, they're sacred times
0: and I want to thank you so much for being on the show it was, it was a pleasure talking to you I, I tell everybody to go see Blazing, uh, The Blazing World it was a lot of fun it's definitely a, a trip down the rabbit hole to say the least so Carlson thank you so much um, and continued success my dear
1: thank you I'll talk to you later bye
0: I want to thank Carlson so much for coming on the show and dropping her knowledge bombs on the tribe today thank you so much Carlson and if you want links to anything we spoke about in this episode head over to the show notes at IndieFilmHuscle.com forward slash 512 and there you will find a link to her new movie The Blazing World if you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode head over to the show notes at BulletproofScreenwriting.tv forward slash 272 thank you so much for listening guys as always keep on writing no matter what I'll talk to you soon thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast at BulletproofScreenwriting.tv